0: Hello, welcome back, everyone, to another week of Pardon the Disruption. I'm your host, Aaron. Unfortunately, Weasel is out this week; he's visiting some family. But I'm gonna come here and make sure I can handle handle it down for him. Um, if you have never watched the episode before, I got some of the hottest real estate panel on in the entire world, honestly. And I have five pre-selected questions for you. They'll have 45 seconds to give their best topic, best debate, best argument, and then we'll have a nice rebuttal. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let them go ahead. We're missing one today. R.J. Bates seems like he was a little scared. Maybe he didn't get the memos. Seems like there's a dress code today. So I'm gonna let Steve go ahead and go first and uh, introduce yourself.
1: Well, R.J. was really sensitive last time, right? When Eric took all his minutes, right? When Eric took his lunch, and he kind of like I guess this is kind of like his little protest. It's fine, you know. It's whatever. But yeah, I'm Steve Trang, real estate disruptors. Uh, we. Uh, our focus on all things sales. So right now we just recently launched a sales leadership training with my good friend, Ren Bartlett. Be sure to check that out if you haven't seen it.
0: Nice, nice. And uh, yeah, I think RJ was a little scared. He had a really, really bad week. I would have took a week off too if I was him. Let's go on to Leon G. Barnes. Do not forget the G.
2: Do not forget the G. Leon G. Barnes with the Collective Genius. And as you can see, we are paying homage to our host, Steve Trang, happy birthday to you, my friend. Your team really does love you because they sent us these nice, nice t-shirts to wear on today's show. I will tell you that uh, they did not get my measurements correct, though, because this thing is like a dress on me currently. <laughs> but we're going to make it work today. You look great oh, in and a one out. More shout out, One more shout out to uh, Chris Jefferson because I saw last week's show. And uh, I brought my camera today. Uh, <laughs> shout
0: out. Yeah, so we'll let Chris, looks like his Wi-Fi, his internet's working today. So uh, he's uh, out from under the water. So Chris, go ahead and introduce yourself.
3: No doubt, man. Chris Jefferson, Richmond VA, Charged Up University. All right, you know the vibes, man. I was able to get my camera fixed. Uh, shout out to Steve Train, man. Happy birthday. All right, get Richard or die trying. Uh, hopefully he doesn't die trying man hopefully he's got one day gets rich all right but uh look i'm excited to be back excited to win again all right let's uh let's do it man let's do it yes and
0: again shout out to steve train with the t-shirts today get rich or die trying and uh let's go right into the first question so florida we know they've been going through disaster praying for everybody there but you know as real estate agents sometimes we have to take advantage of things that happen in this world so we're going to start off a little funny today um how long should we wait before calling Florida leads? Let's uh, start with Steve.
1: And this is such a tough question. This was an audience question from last week. And I mean, truthfully, I think if you're going to start, if this is the prospect you're going to go after, I would start now. You know, I think waiting to later on isn't going to serve you any good. The reality is, a lot of homeowners get so many calls, they don't know who's calling them. So if you're going to go down this road, you might as well start now. You know, what's the old adage, right? Vote early, vote often. I think you take that same mindset uh, with with prospecting. You know, prospect now, prospect later, and don't stop prospecting if this is the avenue you decide to go down.
0: Great, great, great. All right, we're going to go over to Leon G. Barnes.
2: So, Steve is right. This is a sensitive question. And I happen to live um, in Southwest Florida. And um, we were thankfully here in Tampa, we dodged a bullet, um, but that bullet was not dodged in Fort Myers and Port Charlotte. So, the answer is for Florida leads to call them. You can call anywhere Tampa, Orlando. Jacksonville, Miami—all of those markets are available. They uh, had minimal, you know, even in Lincoln, Orlando, there was some flooding. But uh, there's tons of markets that you can call. What I would say is this is super sensitive, guys. People have lost their homes. People have lost lives. Uh, This is um, a tragedy, and so be respectful of said tragedy and make sure that if you are going to do anything in that market, just make sure you're adding value. First, help people first with that mindset. There's plenty of other markets you can call in Florida. Be helpful in the Fort Myers, Port Charlotte area.
0: 100% be helpful, add value. I love that point right there. CJ, uh, close us out for this round.
3: Yeah, I'm going to echo a lot of what's been said. I mean, you're, you're talking about people that have been devastated, right? I mean, anytime in our own lives when we deal with devastation, we're in vulnerable moments. So is now a good time to call? I would say yes. You know, I would get on the phone and make some calls, but at the same time, uh, I'd be more encouraged to really go door to door. I'd really want to be in that market going face to face and looking at absentee owners that are outside of that direct area. So people that are outside of Fort Myers, outside of the South Florida area, I'd be reaching out to them uh, and trying to make some headway because, again, it's a sensitive topic like both Steve and Leon have said. So finding some balance, I think, and that is super important. But uh, yeah, I definitely would go after through leads for sure
0: great great and i'm gonna be real i'm a little new to this i definitely forgot to start time on that last one so you might have got a little long in the 45 <laughs> seconds but i'm gonna let you guys rebuttal and the voting has open. so make sure you guys cast your votes
1: yeah and i think that if you, if this is the avenue you're gonna go and i'm not gonna judge anyone you know for going down this road if this is the avenue you're gonna go kind of like what leon alluded to is don't go there and start cold calling and texting per se is offer a service you know uh, get involved in uh, having a directory of services that are available you know like if you were going to get in the probate you would ha- want to have like a move out service a, um, a-, a an appraisal service for like all the items inside the house, you know the estate sales and this and that this is what you would do if you were trying to get in the probate same thing here like if you're gonna uh, go down this road you know ha- have connections with underwriters, insurance, um you know the uh, whatever that service is for like drying out properties whatever that is but going there adding value have them reach out to you as like oh i also do this
2: yeah so this is another piece of where i was going um but the the 45 seconds was up but uh, i would really you know for me just for who i am as a human being and how i would approach any type of a you know, homeowner in a situation like this, I would want to be treated like, you know, how I would, I want, I would want to treat people how I want to be treated. So in this particular case, I'm reaching out to roofing contractors, fire and water restoration. I'm letting them know also that, Hey, if you run across these, I do pay a referral. I'm going more of that route uh, rather than going direct to that homeowner. Cause I can tell you to Chris's absentee, I love that. But a lot of those absentees that I've talked to that own properties in those particular areas, they, they don't know yet. They haven't been able to get into those right, areas yeah, as yeah. of late last week.
3: Yeah. And I, you got to just be of service, I think, is the point that, that Leon's making. Right. Like, again, people are dealing with devastation. People don't know what decision they're even making in their own lives yet between repair, replacement, you know, whatever the case might be. I think a lot of times people are gung ho and wholesaling and we're chasing that dollar so aggressively all the time to make money. I think if you're going to chase disaster leads in a moment like this, it's a really great opportunity to truly be of service, build that Rolodex like Steve is saying, see how you can come and step up and assist somebody and you can make money along the way, but you can do a lot of good uh, at the same time. And I think that's more yeah.
2: important. And there's nothing wrong with guys with, um, with at marketing in regards to if you're doing PPC leads um, or you're spending money for uh, to make the phone ring because someone actually needs help. That's a service. Now you're offering a service versus cold calling people that may have lost a loved one. And so to me, just make sure that you're sensitive to those people uh, in that particular area.
0: Great, great, great. First round guys. Great points right there. And once again, everyone in Florida, we're praying for you. Hope you guys get through the disaster you guys are going through. We have a couple of comments in the chat right here, we see Josh saying that we uh, he wants Weasel back. Um, you can go call him if you want him back. Uh, the U <laughs> in here strong today. Um, the Just U family in, <laughs> <laughs> in here strong. But unfortunately for the U family, Steve Train was able to take round one with 50% of the votes. <laughs> so he will get the first round victory. Um, going on to second round, should your employees be W-2 or 1099? Let's actually start with CJ
3: this time. Yeah, I just think it's about where you're at in your business, right? I think when we all start our businesses out, we're lean, we're mean, we're trying to figure everything out, uh, and we're not really in a position to offer somebody a W-2 wage or something to that effect. Uh, So I think 1099s make a lot of sense when you're first starting out. Uh, You know, W-2, look, you got to be prepared for payroll taxes. You got to be prepared for benefits, insurance, things of that nature. Uh, You got to have your big boy pants on, so to speak, at that point in time. And you got to make sure that you got somebody that you want to retain, Uh, Because there's a lot that comes with a W-2. So I'd recommend 1099 for sure starting out. I like 1099 employees, uh, not employees. I like 1099 independent contractors. Shout out to the IRS. All right. Uh, So 1099 (laughs) independent contractor for sure uh, is a great person to have on your team. Because trust me, you do not want the unemployment commission hitting you up. Take it from me. All right.
0: Right at 47 seconds. Exactly. A little two seconds over, but nice, nice round right there. Let's go over to Steve.
1: Uh, I mean, if we're going to do everything technically correct, W-2, right? If we're going to try to do everything correct, the reality is entrepreneurship (laughs) is a messy, messy thing, right? So when you're starting, you are 1099-ing everybody uh, except for your administrative people. But the reason why this is important is that if you're telling your salespeople, I need your butt in this seat at 8.30 a.m., no exceptions, that's a W-2. You 1099 them, you will get busted unemployment commission uh when they go file unemployment so the right thing to do is w-2 but the reality is in the sales organization a lot of your sales people are 1099 that's just kind of the nature of the beast so there's like the right way and then there's like real world application
0: all right all right and in the round off with leon g barnes
2: so Because this is being recorded. Let's make sure we start with employees. (laughs) Employees are W-2, right? Employees are W-2. Contractors are 1099. And shout out to my boy, Eric Brewer, who it looks like I got his shirt. Um, He says all the time, he says there's levels to this, right? And CJ referenced that. When you're starting out, you need to leverage relationships with contractors. That's 1099. As you continue to grow your business and you have expectations of employees being at team meetings, uh, being at certain functions at certain times and you're requiring them to do employee things, it is time to make that switch. I have seen like CJ referenced earlier, uh, investors get in trouble, big time trouble, big time fines when asking 10, 20, 30 people that are paid as contractors uh, that are doing employee type things. So there are levels to this. Make sure you're doing it the right way.
0: Uh, all that told me is that I need to be 1099 so I can take more time and go home. So Steve does not have to <laughs> go through meetings. But uh, yes, I have a rebuttal for minute 25. Go ahead.
1: Well, that's the reason why you're W2, Aaron, because I do need your butt
3: in your seat at 830 in the DMs. <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> it's funny, man. I'm laughing about this conversation because I've been hit with said fines Uh, from the uh, unemployment commission. So I'm I'm familiar with the process. Um,
2: So here's the evolution that that I see, Chris, and and you are so spot on with those fines because what happens is if you do it for an extended period of time, at some point, someone's going to complain. They got... Dismissed from their 1099 W2, whatever that is, but it's there as a 1099, and say, "Well, I was told I had to be here for this, and I told her I had to be there for that." And that's generally where that comes. The evolution of a real estate investor, I typically see when you first start out, you have to leverage relationships. As you continue to grow, you get into that 25 to 100 category of transactions on an annual basis. You may have a couple W2s and a bunch of 1099s. The difference between the highest level. The mid tier is generally the difference in the switch in the employee. That person now has 50 W 2s versus two or three and a bunch of
1: 1099s. Yeah. And if you think about like the 1099, the reason why we have it the way it is is like, hey, look, Chris, I trust you. You trust me, right? Like, I'm going to pay you this way. And like, you know, we're going to skirt around the rules, right? The moment I let Chris go, all of this flexibility
3: is gone. Yes. Look, that's what happened to me. I had a sales rep. He was one of my reps. Uh, We had a disagreement. You know, I can be a little stern sometimes. I let the guy go. Uh, Two weeks later, uh, I get this nice package in the mail uh, from the Virginia Employment Commission, and they said they needed to see me uh, because this gentleman had gone off to uh, say that he was fired. And because I was giving him hours to work from, to I think Leon's point, he was considered a W-2 employee, so there were fines and taxes and you know that kind of thing. But Yeah, back, uh, yeah, you got, back you got boat interests and and everything else.
1: The other thing too, this is different than the topic, but I just want to add this real quick. The one thing, the one way I know someone is established or not as a business owner is if they're W-2 or not, right? If you you're not it. paying yourself a W-2, you're still a rookie.
2: It's, it's a differentiator for me when I'm looking at our community, when someone is applying to the collective genius and they tell me that they have on their application, 40 employees, but they've only been in the business for two years. I generally know that's 39 to 99. It gives me a baseline of where someone is in, in, in the business. So if there's anything that someone would take away from this is as you continue to level up, you need to make that transition.
0: All right. Well, voting is closing right now. So close to your, Place your last votes. And yes, Charlie she gave me a lot of education right there. I really didn't know there was a big difference between the two. So it sounds like I need to be signing 1099s from now on and no, no more w two. So, Steve, we're going <laughs> to renegotiate my contract after this is all over. But Chris Jackson <laughs> did take this one with 55% of the vote winning round two. So 1-1 one, one for Steve and uh, CJ and Leon still waiting to get on the board. All right, round three. We're going to go with... What are your thoughts on the Fed's calling for a housing reset? Leon, I'm going to let you start this round off.
2: Oh, goodness. You, of course, going to let me start with this one. Government, government. Let's start with Leon with the government question. (laughs) Oh, goodness. You know, this is a tough one, guys. Um, Affordable housing is the issue that we've had now for the last four or five years. And these interest rates I talk quite often with Jason Medley, the founder of The Collective Genius, about this because uh, it's, it's timely. Uh, interest rates continue to go up, and it's like every 30 days, hit you with another increase, hit you with another increase, hit you with another increase. And what's happening is it, 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 I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to slow down the market and reset it. And like anything, when you make these type of moves this fast, there are consequences, <clears> unintended <throat> or intended consequences that come from it. The biggest one that I see is that sellers are not selling, so therefore, some in a lot of markets, therefore, you have a lot of inventory issues and therefore you have a lot of affordable, uh, affordable housing issues that continue.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, Leon, I noticed you like to use the buzzer as a, like, 10-second buffer, but uh, we'll go on to Chris <laughs> Shefferson for the next one.
2: Yeah, man. That's just such a suge- – a buzzer is just a suggestion. To- <laughs> it's,
3: it's, it's, I think it's because he's in Eric's shirt. It must yeah. Be yeah. I like, I, I'm pretty sure I hit it, but, you know, whatever. We'll,
2: we'll,
3: we'll go to Chris, though. <laughs> so, I, I look, it's this is a tough one, man. I, I think it, the reset has to happen. Uh, it's going to impact a lot of different people. You know, interestingly enough, though, I mean, we haven't seen a lot of damage just yet. I think it's starting to start. People are being laid off. Different things are happening, but this is taking place because, uh, look, uh, the the market has gotten out of whack. I'm watching a video earlier today for G wagons were you know $150,000 and they grossed up to uh, in 2021 $250 or $260,000 car just from inflation it's insane that's why i can't afford it uh shout out to steve Trang. and so you know what what starts, to, what starts to happen is when you look at this things have gotten unaffordable and that's just what it is and we've had to reset the economy is it impactful and going to hurt people yes it's something that has to happen i think so
0: perfectly timed right there that is how you end after the buzzer is sounded steve Trang, you are up next for the last one
3: i think that the housing
1: reset is not unreasonable uh Decision, you know, the reaction for them to go, I would argue you've done it. Stop. <laughs> right. Like, uh, yes. Uh, like, you know, the conversation I was having earlier is like, you know, this party kept going, it was out of control, and the Fed only has one tool. It's a freaking sledgehammer. Right. It's like, do you want to use the wood handle sledgehammer or the leather wrap sledgehammer? Because those are the only tools they got. Right. And they've they've pounded the hell out of the the market, the interest rates. I would argue they're done resetting, but it does not appear to feel that they're they're never So I think it was a reasonable request, reasonable idea, but I think they kind of went a little overboard.
0: Perfectly. Yeah, forty five seconds. I'm gonna let you guys go to your rebuttal. Sorry, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't think they're gonna slow down at this point. It seems like either <laughs> uh, these increases. One more comment, at least. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think I think even maybe this month, I think is what they're saying. And it's, it's, it's just tough, man. I mean, it's having direct impact across the board on people's business. If you bought a house in the last 24 months, based on the way things are tracking right now, you're going to be in a pretty tough spot. Uh, and there's not going to really be any way around that. So w- what we do from here, I don't know. But I mean, I think we could all agree, though, that prices did need to reset,
2: though. Absolutely. But we could have done an entire show on this one question. It is hard to to put in all of our thoughts on this in 45 seconds, because what we're seeing from an investment community is that there are a lot of markets that are really being hit hard, and it's just this absolute massive shift overnight, and I say overnight, it's been eight months, but it seems like it's happened overnight. The, the the thing that worries me the most with this is like like Steve said it's just hammer and ham. There's not nothing velvet about this. It is just a sledgehammer that continues to hit. And what happens is, again going back to unattended unattended consequences, when a seller has no reason, you know they they're considering to let's say upsize. They want to get more bedrooms, those type of things. But they've got a three percent interest rate. They're not selling anytime soon. Why would they? they? They're going to from three to seven and over seven. Why would they do that? So therefore the inventory, the affordable housing was already an issue. I understand the reset, but at some point it can't be every 30 days.
3: But I think something to point out too, man, is that this snowball, this pendulum swing happened because of unemployment benefits, because of how much money was given out, you know, we all got excited about the STEMI, right? If you mm-hmm. qualify for one, right? Uh, PPP <laughs> loans and this money that was circulating inside of the economy over the last couple of years. And so now that pendulum has swung back aggressively the other way. And this was this was caused by the Fed originally. And now we're at a point where now they're trying to stop uh, what they messed up. Uh, right. And so, you know, they're going to be relentless, unfortunately, but that action is going to be so aggressive that what that outcome looks like right now. We're at this shaky spot. I don't know if y'all would agree, but I think we're at this oh, shaky spot yeah. of, we're in a it's either gonna spot. get really, really bad, uh, or it's not gonna be so bad. But right now, in my opinion, it looks like it's gonna be pretty bad because that snowball is building with layoffs and yeah, just so many different things right
1: now. Hey, Aaron, we don't have RJ wasting our time this week. So let's let's spend a little more time yeah. here in the transition okay. part here. Right, um,
2: I would agree. Uh, so I would we don't say, have a, RJ wasting time.
1: Yeah, this stupid <laughs> titanium bar anyway. So, yeah, I, I would I would say, like, we've we've done what we needed to do. We slowed down depreciation, right? Um, I, when they say reset, I, I don't look at it as we necessarily needed prices to go down, right? Like, if prices are flat and keeping up with inflation, unfortunately, inflation is really high. But if, if properties are keeping value with inflation, I think, like, that would be a good place to be at. Um, you know, prices having
3: to go down, I don't think was really necessary. So how, but- how do you keep things are affordable when wages aren't increasing, though? um cuz that's the game like that's the gag right it's mm-hmm. like everything's increasing inflation is pushing product services goods up but people's pay rate isn't increasing from not and not just this conversation i think a lot of times gets stuck at you know um you know low income or you know uh, you know uh, those type of jobs right but this is this isn't isolated to that that this is to a lot of different people if you're making a hundred thousand a year, that used to be good money, you know. In all reality, right now, that's tough to stretch when you've got a family, children. That's some people's household income. It's just we're just in a tough predicament, you know, from my perspective.
2: Yeah. So the everything that uh, Steve, you're part of, and you know, our community. When we uh, are, we have the hot, the best and the brightest that are looking at each individual market and how each individual market is affected we we all go back to that things did need to change. I think CJ is spot on there. We uh, COVID was supposed to be that Black Swan event that kind of leveled things off, but unfortunately it was a rocket ship and made everything take off, right? So at some point we knew that the band was going to stop playing, right? But at this point now is, okay, have we hit rock bottom? And I think that... All of us would agree that there's more to come. So therefore I would, wouldn't say that we bottomed out. I don't have a crystal ball, but everyone I talk to seems to think that the Fed is going to let off Q2 of, 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 of next of next year. Is that too late? And how many more hammers are we going to have to get hit over the head with until we get to that point? So if I'm an investor and I'm listening to this show, it doesn't, I'm not getting scared because I can make money at 7%, I can make money at 8%. You can do creative financing there's all kinds of things that chris has talked about a million different times when it comes to making money during these times i wouldn't necessarily be scared but i would make sure that you're paying attention to what the fed is doing and what's your what's happening in your local market especially especially with listings over the last 30 and 60 days and what they're selling for because your arvs are going to change
1: so chris let me ask you this right you're saying that we have to bring prices down i mean is that do you believe that's the fed's goal like uh, for housing to go down, for prices to go down, for eggs to go down? Because I thought they're just trying to stop inflation. I didn't no, look no, at I this think, as a tool to bring prices
3: down. Yeah, I think the Fed's goal is, is singular to to inflation. I think they just got a goal singularly to get inflation down. I'm talking more of what the direct impact is to just us, mm-hmm. right? Like they started it, you know, they're, they're, they're the problem, right? If we're just being tra- like straight up, like the Fed is the issue here across the board. And we're just having to exist in, in in what's taking place, and so the market though is still crazy, man. Like I just listed a rehab uh, on Friday, uh, and then you know within three days we had twenty something showings, three different offers. Uh, you know it was like it was summer of twenty twenty one again. Yeah. So you know uh, what does that mean? I don't know. You know it was it was in a more affordable you know uh, price point, uh, but. No, I don't think that's intentional, man. But I think that's just what's gonna like continue to happen. The market is gonna continue to start pulling back, just as a result, you know. Because to Leon's point, right? Like, if you've got a three percent interest rate, which is a lot of people across the like the country right now, a lot of people, a ton of people bought houses in the last ten years, bought or refi. So, well, oh. both, right? Both, right? right? So there's and a so lot of people it, with low interest rates. It's crazy, and so there's no incentive to move. unless you really just got to yeah Yeah,
2: unless you're not able to pay for that three percent mortgage because you overspent on you know that particular asset because the interest rate the monthly payment was good but again the wages haven't gone up so from that standpoint unless there is a pre foreclosure or something that has happened where you have to move you're not leaving that so therefore less inventory will hit the marketplace. Yes, it will stall prices, but less inventory. And we were all, we already had a housing shortage issue. And here's another unintended consequence. Now builders are doing what?
3: Stopping production.
2: We already had, you know, we already had a problem with new construction being built uh, in affordable housing in general, just houses. Now they're stopping construction because interest rates have gone up. So there's multiple consequences from these hammers that we keep getting
3: hit with. One other thing, man, because Leon's making some really good points. One thing that he said, we kind of skipped over, I want to point out. See, like the market compression point, it's not just about the houses, it's about the fact that over the last couple of years, especially with all the stuff that happened, government assistance in the last couple of years, people have gone out and bought new vehicles, people have gone out and got credit cards, right? People have gone out and bought vacation homes and Airbnbs and all these different things. And so now when inflation continues to push upward, you're you're just at an income compression point because your wage does not increase. And so you just don't have the same nugget on a monthly basis to circulate around your obligations. And so things then start to take hits. And I think that's what's catastrophic potentially for the economy. I, th- I think that's kind of what Leon was saying. But yes. It's a, it's problematic, man.
1: Yeah, it's happening. And I think one of the things that's interesting, right. Cause we're all in real estate, uh, we're definitely on the investor side, but investment in real estate in general, according to, you know, some research, like every time you do a transaction, right. There's a lot of people getting paid and every time someone gets paid, there's a lot of money that kind of propagates, right. You got the realtor, you got the title company, you got the loan officer, you got the appraiser, you got the home inspector, um, the landscapers, home depot right? The contractors, the handyman, like there's so much money that moves as a velocity for every real estate transaction. So like mm-hmm. all of this money is stopping, right? Like this music is stopping, like we're going to, the musical chair is stopping. Like, we're going we're gonna to see what's going to happen as far as the, the economy.
2: So this is where, this is why I didn't want to start with the government question, because it's just overcorrection after overcorrection right? We throw money or hammers. What's that?
3: What's the fix though? That's the
1: hard part. Well, there is no it, fix it, because they the only part. have one tool.
2: <laughs> yeah. But I do think that that one tool, if applied gradually versus every 30 days, this hike, <laughs> yeah. right? I don't think it's a it's a perfect solution, but you know what? I, I love this country and our government isn't perfect by any means. And we run a community of 300 people and there's politics involved in that. So I can't imagine running the, you know, 50 states with different personalities across the United States. I can't imagine that. But that said, if that if it is the one tool, that it, it you have to make a decision and let's see where chips fall over at least a quarter, versus every 30 days hammering people yeah. over
1: the I think the big thing is right now, I don't know, like uh, I'll ask you two these, this question, right? CJ, market going up, down, or staying even for the next 90 days?
3: I think staying even. Leon. Well, no, no, let me back up. Let me back up, because here's the problem. I don't know if the Fed increases the next rate year. in 30 days- oh, Let me ask you this, continue a year
1: from now, right? A year from now, it's October, 2023. Prices up, down, or even? I see him down in a year. You say down. Leon?
2: Yeah. Down. down,
1: Right? The reality is we don't know if it's going to be up, down, or even. We don't know. And there's more uncertainty now. And that's what kills momentum more than anything else. If we were all in a consensus going up or we're all in a consensus going down, now we've got certainty and we're making plays to plan for it. Mm -hmm. We're all kind of like sitting with our hands in our pockets. And this is what's killing all sorts of momentum. So other thing i've been describing this so i was trying to explain this you know what's going on in the real estate market right now or at least how it's impacting us on our side um you know cj leon and i we're in front of class we're being good students we're taking good notes right and then we got the government in the back seat throwing spitballs at the substitute teacher all right principal comes in that's the fed comes in with brass knuckles and <laughs> we've all got the tension and we're all staying after school But we didn't do anything wrong. And that's kind of how it feels. We're all paying the price for some, you know, few bad decisions. That's actually a
3: really good analogy, man. (laughs) It's
2: a good one. You thought that one through, Steve. I had to explain it a few times. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've... uh we we beat this topic up with that massive hammer i think we're good
0: yeah you guys <laughs> have some really good points there and steve i don't know if you've ever been to detention i don't know where you got that from but uh it was a good analogy though um <laughs> i've seen it in movies was, <laughs>
2: engineering student. there's no way that dude that, there's no way that guy i've ever seen i've seen it on tv though. shows
0: and movies yeah i was thinking <laughs> the same thing also guys you guys are re- dropping some great comments in here we have one saying At RJ Bates, last week's votes made him retire, which I kind of think is true also. (laughs) And to encourage you guys, the audience (laughs) plays a big role in this show. and We only have 17 votes. We have 61 people watching. We need you guys to vote. Also, our last question is an audience question, so make sure you guys submit a question you guys want to hear, and maybe they'll have another great topic like that one where they can really go back and forth and we get some good insight. Uh, But CJ did end up winning that one by 58%, which gives him two points now on the round and it was a consensus (laughs) how did he win uh look man (laughs) tell to the people man we need more (laughs) (laughs) we're going to start with him next round and um we're going to ask how do you vet a coach
3: i think that's a great question man and and this is one that's like an industry argument Uh, i think having somebody as a coach that has walked the walk and is currently walking the walk i think is super important Now there's this, uh, you know, this argument of, well, what if the coach doesn't do what they're teaching? Uh, Look, they gotta have some concept, right? Of of what's taking place of how things function of how things work, but ultimately, I mean, who do you wanna learn from? Somebody that's active, somebody that's really hammering away at what they're trying to show you or somebody who's not, you know, I'm a coach, I got a coaching program. My philosophy is simple. You know, I'm gonna teach you how to fish, but I'm gonna fish by standing beside you and fishing myself. Uh, And so, you know, that's how I think coaching should work. Everybody doesn't agree. We got an industry full of people who do two deals and then they become coaches. I don't know, but that's my thought process. Sure.
0: <laughs> um looked like we were good, but uh, CJ's internet seems to be coming back from last week. So we're going to go ahead and go to Steve. <laughs> um, I mean, I've said this before, right?
1: Like if you're going to find a coach, find someone that's living the life you want. Has the business you want to have, living the life you want to have. So if they're they, they've got to be doing deals. I personally believe they got to be doing deals. Uh, they got to be doing the kind of deals you want to do, right? And I think the other thing, right? The, the lifestyle. Like, I'm not a private jet, you know, a expensive, exotic cars kind of guy. But if that's what you want, go find that guy. Me, I'm a, you know, spend time with my wife and my kids. And it's all about quality of, of family life. I would say if that's what you want, you know, work with someone like myself. But check out their social media. See if they're actually living the life that you want to live. And that's who... I would aspire to be versus or or as- have I would want to coach me versus someone that's you know find that you're finding on a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad or you're seeing the the ritzy stuff that you know maybe some shiny boots or whatever like don't chase just because of what you see out there.
0: That's a, that's a great point. That makes a lot of sense. Um, also before we go to Leon G Barnes, I did notice the Wichita State mug. Um, I'm a big wish Y'all state fan, so I'm gonna lay off the buzzer for you in this next one. I'll let you go Yeah.
2: Next <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Very nice. All right, we've got a shocker fan in the house. So I should get a point just for being a shocker alum. Um, so speaking of coaches and and, and sports, um it it analogizes well to this, um, and that is I am a big believer that coaches need to show you that they've done what they're asking you to do. That said, over time, as I have continued to get older and realize that there are people that can coach at a very high level that are students of the game, not necessarily great players. Bill Belichick's the greatest football coach of all time. That guy didn't play in the NFL, but he's a student of the game. And so... When I'm looking for someone as a coach or advising someone, and this just happened, CJ can tell you that, and Steve can tell you that uh, I most recently had a friend who's like a brother from high school that's trying to get into this business and is looking for a coach. The first thing I did is I text Steve Train, and I said, who would you recommend for, and I already had CJ in mind, I said, who would you recommend for a coach? you have to vet people from who they have used or who who they are currently coaching. So I'll stop there and get more on the rebuttal, but it's important that you know who they work with and the type of success that that person has gotten from that person.
0: Great. An amazing minute 30 right there from Leon. So we'll let you guys go to the rebuttal. Hey
2: man, (laughs) you're a Shocker fan. You're supposed to give me two
0: minutes. I am am a Shocker fan. I do like the Shockers (laughs) and Ron Baker, all that, that team back then.
2: Nice. Yeah, so nice. I would say, you know, that's a great point,
1: right, with uh, with Bill Belichick. Uh, he did play at West Point, right, and he was a decent player. He was not an NFL caliber. So I'm not saying they have to be a Hall of Fame wholesaler, a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame flipper, right? I'm not saying they have to be the best at their craft. I'm just saying they need to be attached to their craft, right? They have to be at least doing some business before they kind of uh, explain it. So, uh, you know, Bill Belichick, yeah, he's he's he didn't do it at the NFL level. Um, he did have to work really hard for 10, 20 years before he had some quality output. Yeah. And now you know he can stand behind that. So I could definitely see the argument they don't have to be doing it at a Hall of Fame level, but I do think they need to be connected to the business. Cause how can you understand like their the the stress, the doubts, the anxiety, right? The the paralysis analysis, like what, you know, how can you give them that next step to move forward? If you haven't done the deed yourself.
3: Yeah. There's- I think, I think one thing too, man, is to Steve's point, you know, look, if, if your coach is riding private jets and Lambos, look, there's nothing wrong with those things, by the way. But if they can't even tell you that the reason they can afford that is from coaching and not real estate, that's not somebody that you want to get coaching from. Right. <laughs> because we're, we're, we're we've, we're in this culture of coaches where more money is made online just by in value. But instead of just saying that, right, people will buy material things to try to market to you. And you have the impression that they got those things from what they're trying to teach you how to do. And they just haven't. So I think vetting somebody out that you're going to work with, have an honest conversation, I think is crazy important when it comes mm-hmm. to our
2: coach for sure. Hey, I think it's fit, guys. What you're trying to say there is fit, right right? Steve, you were saying it yep. earlier is making sure you find someone that is living the lifestyle that you want to live. and if Lambos and and private jets are what you want, then that's maybe maybe it is. but to CJ's point, that person's probably not doing a lot of personal coaching for you. They're probably doing more sales uh, on the sales side than they're doing anything else. But I think fit is super, super important. Uh, But at the same time, it is this is the part I was trying to get across earlier that I want to make sure that I double down on is before you hire anyone, i vetted CJ and other coaches through people that I know that know coaches. Right. When you are talking to someone you might not know someone that knows that coach, ask them for three other students that they've coached in the past that you can call and talk to. No different than you would do with hiring an employee of give me three references, same same principle. So if you don't know someone that knows them, ask for people that have had success in their program.
1: Yeah, I think there's, a, there's an opportunity here. We, we should create this. Um, you know, a list of questions to ask a guru. Like, are you coaching me? Is this a one-on-one <laughs> or a group coaching? How available are you going to be? Can I see your P&Ls and balance sheet from last year from your investment company? I think there's a whole bunch of questions that maybe someone should be asking before picking a coach.
0: And what I'm getting from you guys is that um, if I want to make the NBA, I needed to get a coach that was in the NBA and not a guy who was just teaching high school basketball. So uh, that's much <laughs> my... <laughs> Uh, Well, it didn't work out for me, but voting is still open, so make sure you guys cast your last votes, and we don't have any sponsors yet for this show, so we're looking for a sponsor, so anyone out there that is trying to sponsor these gentlemen and get this show on the road, make sure you guys come and hit us, DM us, or even email us on Partner Disruption, I don't know what our email is. but Steve
1: at Disruptors.com, Steve at Disruptors.com,
0: right there. Um, And Chris actually takes this round again, which seems like he has now has three points. So the U is coming through strong after Steve won the first one. And uh, we're actually going to start with Steve on this last question here. Uh, In today's market, what is the best search criteria when pulling leads?
1: I mean, heck, right now, um, pre-foreclosures because they're back. You know, Uh, they were on pause for two full years. So I would say pre-foreclosures. Uh, There are thousands and thousands and thousands of pre-foreclosures right now. I want to say we're close to 9,000 homes in pre-foreclosure in the Phoenix market. So that is more than ample opportunity. Those people need to do something. So I would say right now in this market, I mean, pre-foreclosure has always been a great list, but uh, it was out of style for two years because everything was on pause. And well, it's back. It's hot. Jump on that.
0: All right. With seven seconds to spare, Steve Trang, uh, we're going to go to Leon G. Barnes for the next one.
2: Pre- pre-foreclosures is the answer, especially right now because of what Steve, those statistics he just gave you. And um, in the past, pre-foreclosures have always been good, but they're even better now. Even though the market has adjusted uh, and uh, values have come down. There's still a lot. There's two things, two key points with that uh, with that uh, pre foreclosure list. Number one is there's still equity in a lot of those, and number two, those interest rates on those loans that you can assume in a lot of cases is going to be, you know, the 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 loan, the mortgage is more valuable than the actual asset right now, just because of where that interest rate is. So pre foreclosures, but you know, don't sleep on absentees. There's a lot of landlords that uh, have adjustable rates that are coming due and those type of things in the next year or two. Don't sleep on those either.
0: All right. And we're going to go to Chris for the last one.
3: Yeah. So I'll be quick. I I agree. Uh, The only thing I will add on the pre foreclosure tip though, is I really like pre pre foreclosure vacant. And I just want to be clear that vacant doesn't necessarily mean absentee but pre-foreclosure vacant uh right now is a super super hot pocket uh, that not a lot of people are hitting and to leon's point it gives you the creativity option when you come across these deals because and I want to make sure everybody understands what leon meant the interest rate component makes the real estate so valuable because the interest rate is essentially free it's 2 and a quarter it's it's 3% and so once you once you amortize that out over a 20 25, 30 year period, you're talking about really great opportunity in some situations, a so pre-foreclosure vacant for sure.
0: Great points there, guys. Let me give you guys a minute 25 to rebuttal.
1: Yeah, I think to Leon's point, cause uh, I, I missed this, right? Is that you can buy these properties at full market value on wholesale terms, right? Two and a quarter versus six and a half. You can arbitrage that all day. You can buy that at two and a quarter, sell it at five, Right, Because that's still below market rate, and you're just making money on the difference for the next 20, 30 years. Great, great and
2: point. Uh, and I think you forgot the hammer, because the most recent hammer, because I don't know where you're getting them at six and a half right now. It's over seven, last I checked. So there's a new hammer that you missed.
1: Trying to avoid that hammer. Trying to,
3: <laughs>
2: trying <laughs> to ignore all that nasty news. <laughs> yeah, there's Rachel a lot puts of... In seven, man. Yeah, there. In in most, uh, the last article I read in the journal was over seven. Um, and uh, the, the going back to the the hammer there, that where there's talk of another in another less than thirty days of potentially increase. I think we're going to see almost as high as eight. We're talking as high as we've seen since two thousand seven. Again, there's money that can be made in any market. Uh, but pre-foreclosures, we we they had just basically dried up during COVID. Um, and to Chris's point earlier, everybody used that STEMI money to go out and <laughs> buy cars and TVs and you know, can't blame anybody for you know taking advantage of the opportunity that the government gave us. At the same time, is it sustainable with with um, uh, wages not going up? And, and the answer is probably no. So pre-foreclosure is, is going to be a, a good list for a good period of time.
3: Uh, All have- right. I got a question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Real quick, man. I think 8% too, but I'm curious how sustainable you think that 8% is going to be? Oh,
2: I, I don't think that. So uh, we had a really sharp uh, lender Um, as a part of our community uh, yesterday on all hands on deck, we had 120 members on a call and he addressed what he's being told on his, on the financial side. And so this is a great part about being in the community, whether it's to you or any community, um, find you your tribe. And, um, you know, again, no crystal ball, but the reference, the information that's coming to him is that uh, the interest rates are going to, you know, there's going to be another increase more than likely and then expect a drop-off in whether that's a, a slight drop-off or a major drop-off uh, in Q2 of 2023.
1: I think as a matter of gravity, Chris, it can't stay it, it can't stay where it's at, it just can't. And the only reason why I'm saying that is that we're gonna have some massive affordability issues. We're gonna have massive uh, situation where people are gonna stay stuck in their homes. Like uh, I've shared before, right? I started in 2007 and I went through some really dark times, right, 2008 to 2010. So I got a loan model in my house. You know one of the very few loan mods that actually worked and with my loan mods at two percent <laughs> i was gonna say they never go through man. they never go through right so i hired an attorney i just got out of the way it's like you're an attorney i'll pay you the what i'm paying for a mortgage you figure this out um and uh i had a two percent mortgage after the loan mod and like i was looking at it as there's no reason to ever sell my house right and mm-hmm. i had a three-bedroom house that i bought as a bachelor i got married in that home I had my first child in that home, I had my second child in that home. It was not until I had my third kid. that I was like, all right, this 2% like I, I love it, but I can't. I can't stay for a 2% mortgage.
2: So what we've learned today that uh, not only is uh, Steve smart, he's also very cheap. We we learned that today. <laughs> I mean,
1: there are some stereotypes that just
2: <laughs> that just
3: don't go away. <laughs> Hey, hey, nah, get rich or die trying, man. I like it. Get
2: rich (laughs) or die trying, right?
1: That's still the mantra. I want to have a lot of money. I just don't want to spend it.
0: (laughs) You got to spend to win, man. You got to spend it to win it. All right. Well, the voting is closing soon. We only have nine votes, and I urge you guys to go get some more votes in. We have a tie right now, so please try to break the tie. And if you don't see the poll on there, it might be because you're full screen. Look at the chat. There should be at the very top. There should be, you see three names. Click on the one you thought had the best argument. As we're trying to close out right now, we're in a tie between Steve and Chris. So place your votes on who you thought won that last round. And um,
1: Yeah, it's real easy. You just vote for Steve Trang, and then you hit the thumbs up, and then you share. Right? It's a three-step process, right? You hit the Steve Trang, then the thumbs up, and then the share.
0: Yeah, that is that is one way. That is definitely one way. You can also do the other two ways if you want to. But the thumbs up and share is definitely essential, and the subscribe button. You forgot that, Steve. Hit the subscribe button. All right, smash that subscribe button. I apologize. Yes, yes. Um, but it looks like Chris Jefferson is going to pull away with this one at fifty-five percent. Pull with, away. Uh, at very at the very end, at the very end, fifty-five yeah. percent. of like going to pull away with this one. Um, please, I urge you guys to vote some more and ask this last one. Is going to be an audience question. So if you guys did ask a question and it not answer this one, we will make sure to put it down for the next week. So keep asking your questions in the chat. Um, For the last one, we're going to start with Leon here. How should we run our numbers as a wholesaler in this current housing market? Or should we focus on just what buyers want?
2: Well, I think you should use the most recent data that you can find if you're talking about purchasing properties, right? If we're, And I should say, when I say purchase, I'm using that loosely as an assignment as well. So forgive me because I'm, I'm not a wholesaler. I'm a, I'm a fix and flipper and a fix and holder. But um, you should be using the most recent data. So let's take, in for, for instance, Steve and I have talked about this a lot eight months ago. Uh, about April, we started to see a shift in Phoenix. And overnight, they saw a change anywhere between 15 and 25% uh, of underwriting changes in their marketplace. Uh, I would, Steve knows that data because he's looking that information up every single day, every 30 days, making sure that he's on it, knows his own personal market. So I would base it upon the most recent comps that you can find in that particular area because that information as things have continued to go down the most recent up-to-date information that you can find is how you base what your arb should be
0: all right let's go to steve
1: uh i think you answered your own question truthfully right should you ask what your buyers want i think you should definitely cater your buying and contracting price to exactly what the buyers want now Uh, One thing that, you know, we don't have Eric here today, but he came up with, you know, the Brewer method. And if you can get things on the MLS, then you can, you know, pay more than everybody else. So, um, you know, if you're trying to contract right now to wholesale, I think you got to be a 65%, um, 70% on the higher side if you're in a really good area. But if you can put on the MLS 80%, which is what we were contracting at before to wholesale, I think 80% now we can contract to Novate and put on MLS with the Brewer Method. So uh, I think as far as underwriting, I, I believe you answered your own question. Find out what your buyers are willing to pay and then put in
0: your fee. Perfect, perfect. Um, and before we go to CJ, CJ, I got to ask, I'm a I'm a corny person and, you know, you're, you're charged up. Do you know the Drake song, Charged Up? That would be like my theme song before I walk into any of these debates. I don't yeah. know why you don't use it, but that would be me. But I'm going to let you go ahead <laughs> and go.
3: You're right, man. You're right. I love it. I love it. I love it. We got to get you on the charge, though, team. Love <laughs> oh, geez. Shout out to, shout out to Steve, man. Get Richard Dad, trying. But look, um, <laughs> here's the thing, man. Uh, yes, you focus on what buyers want. But I think the point, though, is I think when people hear that, they just hear cash buyers. And I want to be really clear that the money that we're making right now, we, we're making a lot of money. We're making more than we were making a couple of months ago. But here's the difference, though we're focusing on retail buying opportunities, not necessarily cash buyer opportunities. So how can we locate properties that we can sell to a retail consumer who's crazy enough to go get a 7% interest rate loan right now? How can we create those opportunities? And I think that's, you know, whether it's a cash buyer or a retail buyer, I think you gotta look at the property condition and if it is livable and can appeal to somebody that can live in it and make repairs to it over time, I'm going to go retail 110%. So, yes, you play to your buyer for sure.
0: All right, great, guys. I'm going to let you guys have your rebuttal.
2: You're spot on with that, CJ. I think CJ did a
1: great job repeating my point. That was fantastic.
2: (laughs) You're you're spot. That's why I gave CJ the credit. Yeah, it's all about
3: (laughs) your It's it's all about if you can explain it the right way or not. that's, That's part of the key things in coaching.
2: Well, the, the thing about right now um, and I know that um, if you're a wholesaler, you're probably going, well, I don't have the resources or I don't uh, have those. But you got to go find them. Uh, what you were doing eight months ago will not uh, is not going to play today. Um, if you're looking to continue to grow and scale, you may get away with some of that, but the market has shifted. I don't care if you're in the middle of the country, um, the northeast, the west, wherever you are. Uh, the market has shifted. Some markets as low as 5% underwriting change. Other markets like uh, Steve and Phoenix at 25 and markets like Boise have seen 25 to 30%, if not more, and they have not bottomed out yet just because their appreciation was over 100% in the last few years. So that's why I said what I said in regards to most recent data because you're going to want to cater in this time frame more to retail buyers, people that are okay because they want to buy a house and they're a homeowner that they're okay with 7% because they can make those monthly numbers work.
1: Yeah. And I heard something recently. Uh, I, I, it's just something to think about. I haven't changed my underwriting to reflect this, but something I heard recently which is that when you're running comps, six months old is obviously out of date, right? Three months old is more relevant, but some guys they're just looking at active. They're just looking at active data, and I just gotta be below that price. That's the ARV.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, active. Yeah. And
3: What's that, Chris? Yeah. So that's one of the things that that's one of the things that I'm doing right now. So the house I mentioned earlier that we listed, uh, the comps were around two hundred five, two hundred fifteen. I put out at one ninety five and contracted at two hundred um so yeah i think you got to play the market for sure i don't know if i'm coming in choppy or not i'm skipping around a little bit but uh hopefully that came out that came out
2: yeah you came out a little choppy that's why we can't get your drake song your, your walk-up music that wi-fi <laughs>
3: doesn't
2: have <one> in. <laughs> Leon, you
0: might be right there maybe i i uh, put too much on his plate on that one yeah. um the voting is wrapping up and it looks like steve is going to take this final round right now he's up 50 percent so he would be With two points in this week, but Leon will come away with zero, and Chris will uh, be the winner for this week uh, with four points. Without the you know the shorter cast, no four people today, only three. So I'm gonna let CJ start off with. uh,
1: Well, hang on before before we let CJ wrap up. Okay, go uh, ahead. Just a couple things. I think Leon, you got to go rally up your crew, right? You got the CG community, got 200 plus members. You got to get some of these guys in here. Uh, I mean, well, see, Chris is just fixing all the votes, so.
2: Yeah, my my bad. You know, my people actually are, you know, high-level real estate Don't trash the people that ever. you want
1: to win their votes.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm telling you that my people, it's hard for them to make this show at, what time is it? 3.30 uh, in the afternoon, Eastern time. But, you know, we'll push them. We'll push them this way for sure. And then the other
1: thing I want to add some, some color commentary here. So this get rich or die trying, right? These shirts that I had no idea were going to be worn today during the show my team put together. So the backstory here is I'm a very big fan of the mantra, get rich or die trying. And so I had one of my admins find the poster, right? I wanted to get the album, right? Get rich or die trying. I want to get that poster. Didn't work, didn't exist. If you got the album cover, it just didn't have the text. So we got the movie poster. That's actually what's hanging in my office has been hanging. Uh, I've been having that poster for like six or seven years. I know it sounds ludicrous, but that's what I have. And my team decided to apparently modify that image and send it out as T-shirts.
0: Nice.
2: Your team did a great job.
0: Yeah, these shirts are comfortable. I like them. And also, uh, Steve, to add on to your point, I think Leon was just trying to fill in for RJ because, you know, he saw RJ's performance and he wanted to duplicate it, make sure he had someone that (laughs) could, you know, fill his role. So he did a great job this week of doing that
2: um look, well, I'm guys, gonna let you guys you, you, you guys tell me whatever you want look i don't need your points to know that i win, and win, and win i win every day when i wake up hey it's you win you over here
0: you're from wichita state that was my dream school so you're winning to me all right well i'm gonna let you guys have your guys uh final comments and uh so we'll start with cj the winner this week
3: yeah. And I, and I just got to say, I guess, man, I, you know, look, I didn't make it to Wichita state, wherever the hell that's at. All right, Canvass. Shout out to Wichita state and all the shockers. All right. But uh, you knowing Austin is this man, you know, shout out to uh, man. uh happy birthday, man. You know, I love you. and appreciate you. Uh, I met you a couple years ago when I came to hang out and do your podcast. That's the first time we ever, I think, connected. Uh, we've been really solid ever since, man. We catch up when we can have really great conversation, impactful conversation. So keep doing your thing, keep impacting the real estate community as a whole. And, uh, you know, anybody on your team, you know, look, I'm just, you know, just so they know, man, cause they did a ph- phenomenal job getting the shirt to me. I gotta say, all right, phenomenal job. Uh, if you ever need a W2 adjustment <laughs> and, you, and, you, and, you, and you, you know, and you want to charge up, you know, you're not the 1099s, you know, just highlight your boy. That's all I'm saying, that's all. Just poaching live on the air yeah <laughs> dj i would definitely
0: i take that into consideration um <laughs> leon will go ahead and <laughs>
2: yeah so leon g barnes guys with the collective genius mastermind you know if you're doing 25 plus transactions a year and you're looking for a community just uh shout out to steve and chris and this show uh i know a lot of our uh, members do actually they don't vote for me, but they actually do watch and love the show. They tell me every time we, we get a chance to meet at our meetings, but I, I can tell you this couple things real quick, Chris, uh, you will know about Wichita State here real quick because they're coming to vit, uh, Richmond to play VCU. So you will know this season all right, a little all right, bit there you more go, uh, uh, about Wichita State uh, and, uh, and 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 also shout out to CJ who's taking care of my, my brother from high school um, was looking for a coach and uh, I know he'll take care of him. So I appreciate you brother. I'm doing that for us. Yes, and then uh, Steve, um, I can't tell you how many people I talk to uh, every day that you've changed um, their perspective on real estate uh, through your disruptors podcast. Uh, always have a great guest on. And uh, I talked to two of them today. Like I listen to that show uh, regularly and it's uh, it, it, it gives me a lot of great insights and has helped my business tremendously. So thanks for, having this forum for us to not get points or win. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I really
1: appreciate that. And it, it, it does mean a lot. And, um, you know, I think that today we had a very, uh, different conversation, but I think incredibly valuable. So, that, you know, if you guys are listening and you guys think that there's someone, there was someone that you're thinking of that needs to hear it, you know, please share this with them. And it's something, again, I'm rolling out with Ren, like right now it's really easy to, be concerned with the market, cut back on marketing, cut back maybe on some expenses, you know, and your sales team is going to be feeling it a little bit. I think you got to give your sales team some love. And so what Ryan and I are talking about is how to effectively lead your salespeople so that they want to be with you side by side in this tough market, right? Talented people want to be with people that can help them get where they want to go. And if you don't have, if you're not, Helping them fill their cup, helping them fulfill their purpose, their mission. You can't be upset when they leave to compete against you. So, if you're interested in that, check it out. We got disruptors.com/success. Ren and I are talking about how to effectively lead, manage, and retain your salespeople. So, I'll, I'll leave it there. Great stuff. Number guys.
2: one thing that that you should be focused on right now during this time frame is sales sales and more sales getting as good as you can and there's no two guys i would suggest more than steve and Rin.
1: thank you
0: yeah, great stuff guys this week and if you guys want to catch the rerun for this show make sure you go to the Parton disruptions youtube channel we'll have all the clips over there or follow the instagram we'll see you'll see the tiktoks the rails whatever you want to call them over there and the of the best moments of this episode. So signing off like my man, Big Weezwood, we'll be back next week at 1130-ish, seems like, always. And uh, catch you guys next week.